to the What You've Been Watching podcast, hosted by the Dudley Brothers. I am the indisposed Marvelous Mike Dudley, followed as always by my cohort and brother. Marcus Dudley, MD3, checking in with you. What's going on, everybody? How are y'all out there in podcast land? How y'all been? How y'all been? How been a minute. Yeah, man. Let's catch up. Hey, what you been watching? What you been watching? That's what. That's the million dollar question. That's what posed all this. Uh, I had the honor recently of watching something I haven't seen in a while. Uh-huh. And uh, I was talking a little bit about it to somebody the other day. Where if somebody told me that this was their favorite comedy of all time, or like, oh, it's the best ever... There's an argument for that, you know. Uh, I got, uh, I had to watch Air. I didn't have to. I got to watch Airplane the other day. And oh, nice. Air, yeah, Airplane is an instant classic. Like, it's a lot like Dumb and Dumber in that there's just jokes every 10 or 15 seconds. And so if you don't like one, just hang out for another 10, 20 seconds. Yeah, There'll be or, another one. Or like yeah. The Jerk or something where it's like it's ev- every fire. single person in the world is is the comedy man. Like, there's no straight man at all in the entire thing. Like, right. So it's it's this completely absurdist reality where it's just quips and wits and rapid fire jokes yeah. one after the other. I mean that opens up even like with the whole loading zone thing where they're arguing over the PA system. They're like, no unloading of passengers in the red zone only. Please use the white zone for that. And then the guy, the other guy, comes on. He's like, no unloading of passengers in the white zone. Please use the red zone only for that. <laughs> it, it opens up on a joke like it. And they just come every, like I said, every 15, 20 seconds. It's, That's it, a great movie. It's so quotable, too. Like, it's it's so, you know, like, what's our Victor Vector? Or our Vector Victor? Our vector what's vector. our clearance, Clarence? Clarence? Yeah. Roger, Roger. Yeah, and it has every type of joke. Shirley, you jest. Yeah. I never jest, and don't call me Shirley. Yeah, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> but it has every type of joke. There's visual gags. Yeah, there's just, yeah. like, pun play. There's wordplay. Just stupid It's very, it's very old, stuff. It's very old, like, vaudeville, almost. It, like, just all wrapped up into one. Like, there's, it, 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 there, there's every gag from, like, like slipping on the banana peel to like wordplay and puns and running gags and yeah. it, it really is like a connoisseur like a comedy connoisseur's movie. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, if somebody said that was their favorite comedy of all time, it wouldn't take a lot of convincing me to be like I wouldn't be like, Oh, that's way out of left field. It's like somebody said Monty Python Holy Grail was their favorite or something like that. I mean, it's up there amongst those right. of like, you know, Hard to argue. It's it's a damn funny movie even to this day. Yeah, just based on its own merits, it stands. It you could make a decent argument just based on its own merits or or like right. as it stands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so that's what I watched recently. It was an absolute pleasure too. But uh, what you've been watching is the million dollar question. What I've been watching, or well, what you've been watching, what you've been watching. Uh, well, recently, and I got to share this one with you. We sat down and kind of just put down, put put on the TV as a whim. There will be blood. And uh, yeah. we, we started to, I think initially we just put it on in the background. We were cooking dinner or something like that. And it was just intended to be just background noise. And we both immediately got sucked into that movie. Hardcore. Yeah, I put it on going like, well, I wanted to put something on that I'm not going to finish. And there was some like 90 minute movies that I was going to put on. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm probably not going to finish There Will Be Blood. It's just something I know. I don't have to keep in touch with it. Which in my mind... It's like a three and a half hour movie, right? We talked about that. I was so surprised. Like the, the it's like two thirty five on the dot. It, like I think it's even less than it's, that. I think it's on the dot. I think the final credit there will be blood. I looked down at the display on the DVD player. I'm pretty sure it's like right at two thirty five or like two thirty one or something like that. Right on the dot, like just over two and a half hours, 
which the last 30 minutes is pretty much just the scene of him telling his son that he's been a bastard in a basket. Bastard and, in a basket. Yeah, a bastard in a basket. And the milkshake scene, which everybody knows. Yeah, everybody quotes, right? Yeah. I'm not even going to... Yeah, we're not going to go we there. Because otherwise it's just going to be devolve into us just like, I drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. Yeah, he's so your good, milkshake man. was the one that was drank. Yeah. <laughs> not my milkshake. I went to McDonald's and the ice cream machine was down. I have no milkshake. Don't make... That's funny because I heard that their milkshake machine was down, so you don't have a milkshake. <laughs> you don't have a milkshake, right? <laughs> right. Which we said we weren't going to do, but we just, but we did. just did. Oh, so, yeah. fuck you. Deal with it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's weird, though. Like, Daniel Day Lewis is just so good in that. We're not going to sit here and dwell on that because he's, he's Dude, good in everything. He's like Dr. Dre. He can just drop into like. Once every just, seven just, years. Just drop in like every seven to ten years, do something, be like, yep, yeah, I'm just going to collect my Oscar or my Grammy and yeah. just like, you're good now. And Thank you. shit on the game. Yeah. See you guys later when, when you need me. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. I'll be back. Yep, I'm going to go much. be a cobbler for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> there's an there's a ongoing joke that he's such a method actor that if somebody were to pitch him the idea of playing Jesus in a film... That they better not do it because he really will crucify himself and die for our sins. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like no, really, hang me up there. Come on, let's get those nails. Like, let's get those nails. In. Let's get those nails. In. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that Daniel Day Lewis in our mind sounds exactly like Daniel Plainview and not like he's he's actually like Irish, I think, and so like he has a very like thick Irish accent. Yeah, I'm not 100. percent I know it doesn't sound like the way he does. <coughs> <coughs> we apologize for the coughing in advance. We're both the weather dropped. We'll talk about what that brought forth to our minds. But we're we're both working under the weather right now. So if there's a lot more coughing, it's just a because of the rampant meth that I've been doing. But also yeah, a lot of meth. It's, it's a lot of the weather change. So I apologize in advance. Just deal with it. We're trying to work on that. We got some feedback about the coughing, so we're gonna try to work on it as best we can. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, uh, there will be blood. It's such a good movie. And it's such a slow burn, but man, it pays off every time. It is. It is a really, really slow burn, but that last maybe 30 minutes or so is a firework spectacular. And yep. it's 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 so good because most stories have a character arc. This is a character de-evolution. Yeah. Like, it starts out in the movie where he has, you know, he... I mean, literally, the movie opens with him. He breaks his leg in a mine shaft and by sheer force of will just, like pulls himself out by grit and determination and American spirit and all that. Ooh, rah, 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 rah. And then from there, it's just a steady decline in character in terms of just seeing him devolve into just the most primal of urges and just losing touch with humanity. It's this really weird, like anti-hero story yeah it's the character arc definitely there's not a it's not a redemption tale but at all he just gets worse and worse in a sense of morality and his just selfishness and nearsightedness i mean it's like if you're not on part of his big picture you're an enemy just you just are i have i have a hatred great hatred inside me and as much as i want to see everyone else fail yeah yeah he's cold-blooded in that movie but yeah so that was supposed to be a movie that i wasn't going to finish the other day but got sucked into it anyway and Credit where credit's due, Paul Dano is amazing in that. Paul Dano? Yeah, Dano, Dano. Dano, Dano, yeah. okay. We like to butcher people's names here. We know, Like I said, the, the, the motto of the show was we're about 85% in <laughs> on the things that we're talking about. 60% of the time, we're right every time. Yep, yep. But anyway. The, but- the word on the street about that movie is that I think they were going to cast him in a much smaller role. He was only supposed to be the initial brother. Right. They weren't uh, going to play him as twins. Yeah, he wasn't going to be twins. He was just supposed to be the first brother. I know yeah. that 
he became, but I guess the actor that they cast drop out with like, I don't know, like a week or two, a month or something like right. that. Like not a lot of prep time. And he came in and saved the role and... Not just saved the role. Elevated it. Crushed that role. Yeah, like, as Eli. It, in terms of, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is always the dude to watch on screen. So for somebody to literally go toe-to-toe with him and hold his own, just presence on screen and just the sheer... The sheer presence and magnificence of... of 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 the character that he brought, you know, just he's how, re- how do I explain this? No, it's he he is the foil in, in his own way. Like he's yeah. the more quiet, subdued type, but at the same time, Daniel Day Lewis's character is kind of quiet and subdued until you piss him off. And they're very much flip sides yeah, of, the, of same the same coin. coin. Yeah, yeah like they're they're, they're both American spirit and individualism and can-do attitude and grit, but in the same breath, they're both con artists and, and grifters, and yep. they both know it, and they're totally okay with that. So it's it's this weird dichotomy, like, one is the one is the other, and yet they both hate each other for what they see in, them, in, 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 in the other yeah, person. Like, because it reflects themselves. Yeah, that's, that's, I would say that's a fair assessment. Anyway, if you haven't seen There Will Be Blood, it's a slow burn... But the last 30 to 40 minutes is just fireworks. Yeah, it is hot shit. It is it is a character study in how to act and how to control a scene because both of them stand toe to toe and you can't take your eye off of either one, which is great for, you know, Daniel Day Lewis because he's also awesome, but Paul Dano, like Coming out of the like coming out of the box like he yeah. had, I don't think he had done really anything. Yeah, he was, he looks super. I mean, he still looks young to this day, but he looks super super young in that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like little baby face Paul Dano. So it's yeah. worth it, absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited to see him as the Riddler coming up in the new The Batman. So movie. good. Every yeah. time I see the previews for that, I get more and more excited. They just dropped an international trailer, and it was like I think the Japanese version or something like that. And there's some more. They only add a few more seconds here and there, but it just kind of shows a little bit more of him. It's it's, I'm just glad they're doing a. You know, I know we've devolved from there will be blood into the Batman because Paul Dano. <laughs> just follow the, along. Yeah, Paul Dano's the connective tissue, but I'm glad they're doing a detective story for that one. Finally, he's yes. he's the world's greatest detective, and yes. he barely detects shit in all the other movies. So, be good to see that. But that is here nor there. As we want to bring up for our subject tonight, the weather has been dropping, and it's gotten cold out. And when we watched There Will Be Blood, I, I asked Michael, I said, this is one of the best cold opens ever. And upon reflection, I don't know if it's a cold open, but uh, the cold weather kind of got me thinking about cold opens, and then we got into a long debate of what our favorite cold openings are for movies. And Michael is going to break down what a cold open is for you, and we're going to try to list, how many, how many do we have, 15? Uh, we have 15. It's a real loose list, as in there, there's a few honorable mentions and some things that didn't make my list, but other people on the website or on the Facebook page uh, suggested. Um, so I'm going to bring those up. So it's, it's, it's a loose 10 to 15. but Something like that, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, it's in no particular order. We're just generally talking about... The ones we like. Yeah, yeah. It, it, in no way is this meant to be a definitive, like, this one is better than that one. We're just sort of discussing the different aspects of 
the stuff that we like in these cold opens. So, um, so what is a cold open for those that don't know? So technically, according to the rules, a cold open is a narrative technique that is used in TV or film that um, is the application <clears throat> of jumping directly into a story before the title sequence or the opening credits are shown. So it's it's a plot device used to drop the audience directly into the world of the of the of the scene. So um, usually it's used for shock value or world building and or an attention grabber. Attention grabber, right, 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 right. It's it's meant to it's meant to less build up and, and sort of just here's the world, deal with it. Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, we're trying to. Uh, there's a little bit of debate on this, and you're gonna see that there's a little bit of wiggle room in our list. Um, we're trying to, but we are still authorities and don't question. You're this. right. Don't question. Whatever we come up with is just it's bond at this point. It's bond. <laughs> the word is bond. Word is bond. Yeah. Uh, but we're trying to. What it's usually used as is before the opening title sequence. So if, like, for example, Step Brothers, while it has a great opening, uh, all the credits are going alongside. It's like story by uh, Adam McKay, John C. Riley, Will Ferrell, written by... It, it kind of breaks down the credits as it's opening the movie. So we excluded some of those. Um, I'm sure there's probably one on here that we just forgot that does have that going on during it. But um, we're trying to stick to, like, where you see the scene and then there's the title card or it kind of jumps into the proper narrative afterwards. Where it's kind of like a, almost like a mini movie before the the film sets up, and we'll right. we'll we'll get into it. But we're trying to have some definitive terms so everybody can play along at home. So, um, without further ado, I think we should jump into it. What is the official what you've been watching list for our favorite cold openings of movies? Okay, so should I go from the bottom and mention honorable mentions first, or do you want to start at the top, or no no particular order? Let's just start at the top. No part. Again, this isn't necessarily we think one is the best. This is just ones that we really like that I, I think are worth mentioning. Okay, so, so I want to bring up one that is... I can't really point to a specific cold open that draws my attention, but I just have to include it on the list because of longevity of the series and the impact it's had just in the in the in the cultural lexicon of of entertainment and that's SNL. Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live always opens with a cold open and for better or worse, you know, there's some that I remember, there's some that I don't, but um it, it's worth mentioning just because there are a few that really stand out and really, really grab your attention and, and set the tone for what the rest of, of the show is going to be. And some of them are, are hilarious and some of them kind of don't work, but the ones that I could really remember and, and, and think about were um, anytime there's a, pre, a presidential or a, a, a debate. Uh, those usually shine. Those usually really they shine. They also yeah. get a litany of just guests that aren't even hosting. Right. Just to right. come by. Like, I know Alec Baldwin has done it a lot of times. I know Jim Carrey did it a bunch recently sure. as Joe Biden. They got um, Larry David to come in and play Bernie Sanders. They'll sometimes bring in Tina Fey to play Sarah Palin again. Or just right. Or whatever. It's, it's just an excuse to bring in a bunch of friends and play around. So, right. I'm all for it. I can't really again. I can't really point to any specific one, but if you just generally look at 
anytime there's a Saturday Night Live the week after a debate, the cold open is usually worth checking out because they just rip the debate apart and just eviscerate everyone and make fun of right. everyone. I don't want to say without bias, but everybody gets their chance, you know, they're, they're turning the barrel. Kind right, of thing. right. It's, and that is worth mentioning first because that is the most clear and definitive cold open that one can come right. by. There's only one other franchise, which we'll get into here in a minute, but the Saturday Night Live cold opens, just for longevity's sake, I mean, you can pick your favorite. I'm sure you can go online and YouTube your favorites, but... Another one that I picked out, specifically in, in terms of the debate, was um, it was the uh, the vice presidential debate between uh, Palin and Biden, where it was Sudeikis play, playing uh, Biden and Tina Fey playing uh, Sarah Palin. Well, those are two heavy hitters, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also there was one where uh, I think it was Bush being played by Will Ferrell. And then, God, who was it that was, it was the, anyway, anyway. But we'll skip all this. This is all getting cut out. It doesn't oh, matter. it was, um. Who's the guy that does the Sean Connery impression? Um, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Yeah, Thank as you. Al Gore. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, as Al Gore. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk, he kept talking about the lockbox. And then uh, uh, Will Ferrell uh, coined the phrase, like, securiosity or something like that. Right, he's saying all kinds of silly, yeah, silly yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's also the, just another memorable one, was the 9-11 tribute where... Uh, Rudy Giuliani came, it was like the week after 9-11, Rudy Giuliani came on with a bunch of firefighters and it was this really tearful moment. Also, uh, the week after Hillary Clinton lost the uh, presidential election and Kate McKinnon came on and just sang uh, Hallelujah, dressed as Hillary That's Clinton. Um, so, just stuff like that. It, it's yeah. a, Again, I, I can't think of... Too many specifics, other you know, but just for longevity's sake, SNL is one of the best cold opens just right. in history. Just ma it makes the honorable mention. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh, another one that really goes into it, and this is another one that is just definitive by every stretch of the word because it's just done it so many times. Is any of the 007 movies, the James Bond franchise, is a clear, clear, clear definition of what a cold open yeah. is and should be. Um, they consistently crush it. And I mean, even the opening credits is always a blast because you always have some mega superstar, whether it be Paul McCartney of the Far Superior <laughs> Band, <laughs> as opposed to the other band that he was in, in Wings, singing Live and Let Die. So you know you always get the extravagant credits of, at some point, James Bond is going to be a silhouette following through something. Right, right. But before that, they usually set up a scene in the uh, 007 films that just really really set the tone and kind of open up with a bang. Uh, two of our favorites is, this one's a little corny because this one gets ripped apart a lot, <laughs> but everyone remembers it. I have seen every James Bond movie except for, I think, the last two. I'm working on that. My father and I and, and my two brothers, we used to rent James Bond movies because that was the one thing that was agreeable. Mm -hmm. And so my dad slowly but surely worked his way up through Starting at Dr. No and getting into, oh you know, Goldfinger, I mean, like yeah. all of them. And at a certain point, they kind of run together. One, because I watched them as a child and it's been, some of them I haven't seen in uh, at least a couple decades. But they all kind of run together. But the one that really stands out is uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. And that opens yes. up uh, on the ski scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's, it's wonderful. That's the one with uh, Roger Moore, yeah? I believe so, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 
he gets a call and they they find him making love to a woman and he's a little aggressive. As James Bond is one. As to James do. Bond is one to do, yeah. And uh, he gets a call and he gets called to action. And the first about minute is him just sitting there at the top of a, a ski slope. And he gets goggled up and he's with two other people. And uh, he starts off and then he gets chased by his pursuers. And he turns around at one point and his ski pole is a, like a flare gun. And he yeah. shoots somebody yeah. in the chest. And he's skiing backwards and sideways and doing all these like Olympic flips and shit. Yeah, he does. He does. Whoever the stunt double is, is a nice gainer at, at one point. <laughs> like, Meanwhile, everybody who's chasing him is just like complete idiots. And they're like shooting into each other and crashing into trees like what what yeah that one's that one's a memorable one and I, i'm pretty sure at the end when he opens the parachute and it's the the uh uh british flag yes yeah, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's corny but like, yeah it's really corny but it really sets the tone that one um another one and everyone when i say the cold open to this movie because even michael was guilty of it initially yeah. mm-hmm. uh is casino royale and everyone's like, oh, I love the parkour scene. Like, that is not the cold open. It's not. I, I actually had to look back and, and watch the movie for myself to make sure. But he's right. I always thought that it opened with James Bond trying to track the, I guess it's the, the African terrorist or whatever. Like, Yeah, they're, they're in Africa. I don't know exactly. Morocco or some whatever, shit. Whatever, yeah. But it, going through the cranes and the whole parkour scene, and there's a bunch of wide ang- like wide angles and, and, and At the embassy, shots. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is not the opening scene. It actually opens up on a much more brutal scene yep. where James Bond fucks a dude up in the men's room. And I don't mean that in some weird, like, tap your foot way. I mean, this dude, like, drowns him in a sink. In a sink. Yeah, he, it's they quickly show him becoming a double O agent, getting his first... I, I guess you, you're... It's led, his first kill. You're yeah. led to believe that it's his first kill, making him a double O agent at the point. And so it's him talking to this bad guy who gets killed very quickly and kind of telling him the story. And he's like, and you're mad. He's like, and you're contact in the bathroom or you're in your contact. He's like, yeah, I, I met him. He's like, and did you dispose of him? Yeah. He's like, and how was it? Violently or whatever, right. <laughs> whatever he says. But it's, it's a really good one. He, it opens black and white and they fight over this gun and James Bond slams the dude in the sink That's and just great. beats, the, they beat it, the hell out of each other. It is a violent, violent fight scene like brutal brutal yeah and he's sitting there telling the guy the the other guy in the flashback that he's telling him how he how he killed his contact in the bathroom he tried the guy tries to pull a gun on james bond and james bond's already sitting in his chair yeah and you hear him click the gun he's like by the way i found where you place your gun or i found where you put your bullet he says something about um maybe we'll get to know each other like the, the bad guy says something about maybe we'll get to know each other and tries to shoot him and then Bond just holds up the clip and goes, I already know where you keep your gun. Yeah, keep your bullets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he ends up shooting him. Uh, the scene ends very quickly before it goes into the uh, the actual opening credits. The guy on the bathroom floor kind of wakes up from being 35% drowned <laughs> or whatever, 35% away from death or whatever. And he scrambles to a gun, and then the quick shot turns, and it's James Bond. You hear the gunshot down the barrel, the classic right. iconic scene, and the opening credits roll. Right. And... That's that's how you start. That's that was, how you start. That's a, movie. a great, yeah. So James Bond get, gets again. It's 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 an honorable mention just because there's too many to name and it's all cold opens and it's the Godfather of this stuff. Speaking of which, you mentioned James Bond in a bathroom. Do you know what you call James Bond in a bathtub? 
Bubble 07. Bubble 07. I almost, yeah. <laughs> I almost, I almost could have got there. Hey! Yeah. Guys, see, you get it? You get it? Guys, yeah. Bubble 07. Bubble Yeah, bubble. Michael loves these jokes. Guys. 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 Anyways, plowing ahead. <laughs> plowing ahead. Anyways, here. doggy style. Yeah, anyways, doggy style. Another ladies' man reference. Uh, I'm going to get, should I save my favorite for last? What do you think? Yeah, I want to save my, my, my personal favorite for last. Um, I'm going to put one out there that, again, if somebody said that this was their favorite cold open ever, it is super hard to argue, and I will say it is not for the squeamish, and that is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, shit. That is a great opening. I mean... Yeah, definitely not for the squeamish, dude. That yeah, is that saving is... Private Ryan. Oof. Uh, yeah. Uh, it is so well shot, and there is. I f- I know it's Steven Spielberg that directed and produced it. I forget who the director of photography was, but shout out to that person. I mean, just it, that is so well framed, and it is so hard. In a like, it is so hard in a D-Day invasion, in in a in a in a complete war scene. It's very easy to get lost in the chaos and the fog of war and not be able to tell what's going on and what's happening and where's this character and what what's the sequence of events. But that movie clips along so well that you are never lost. You always know exactly where every single every single actor is, every single person. You know exactly what's happening in the in the story. You you see the sequence of events and it plays out in grandiose fashion. It is violent and bloody and horrible to see, but it is so worth it. I understand that capturing the horrors of war is almost nigh impossible, short of being there. I'm sure if you ask somebody on D-Day, but I'll say this: that movie, as a person who has never Michael was enlisted in the Coast Guard, thank you for that respect. Um, but as a person who's never seen combat of that nature, it's it's hard for me to watch. So I couldn't imagine being there. To be fair, I was in the Coast Guard and I didn't see combat right, of that right. nature. Not many, so I just want to be clear on that. Not many anybody <laughs> did. You know, um, I mean, literally, there's a scene where a guy is searching for his arm and just picks it up and just slings it over his disembodied shoulder and is just like, "Well, this is my life now." Just whip that. That's just it. Yeah, and he just stumbles around so shell-shocked, just kind of like with this million-mile-away stare of just kind of like, huh? And just kind of looks around, looks down at an arm. You assume maybe, it's his arm. Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Gee, I really hope. Yeah. And, it's okay. We can fix it. We can fix it, right? And there's just scenes of, it's just so brutal in the sense of like, you'll see, the camera will be on Tom Hanks. Uh, who's the star of it? And there's a lot of people in that movie, but Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel, Matt Damon, a lot, lot of stars in the movie. But it opens. Barry Pepper. You'll see somebody like the camera will be to Tom Hanks back, and he's sitting there talking to the rest of the, the troops, and all of a sudden the person right next to him, just right <laughs> next to him, pew, bullet yep. in the head drops, boom, like, and it just shows like the almost random nature and the luck of of there, some to one to the other and how no one's special there was no rhyme or reason you could come up with the best plan of going from point A to point B zigzag there was no rhyme or reason to it it was complete luck as to whether or not you even made it off the fucking boat yeah let alone on the shore let alone to the embankments let alone like behind the wires but yeah 
there was no rhyme or just the chaos of war. It's it's harrowing and weirdly beautiful, but also haunting as fuck. Yeah. There's a scene where they, they're starting to get shot in the boat, and so some people go over the sides Holy of the boat. Shit. And people can't get their backpacks off, so you just see them struggling and drowning as the camera surfaces. It, it is brutal, but all credit due, it is a masterpiece of cinema. Interesting point of note. Do you know who was driving the amphibious boats to bring people from the boats to the shoreline on D-Day? Is this a joke? No, it's not a joke. Oh, it's okay. a, it's a real, Go ahead. It's a Coast Guard. Oh, really? It was the Coast Guard. Oh, well, shout out, man. Simper yeah. Pie. Semper Paratus. Paratus. I thought, Semper Paratus. I've heard it shortened to Semper Pie before, but I don't know. Michael, <laughs> you would know, so I'll, I'll fully take you on that it's one. It's Semper P or Semper Per Ding Dong. Oh, okay. <laughs> I learned something new today here at What You've Been Watching. That's, that's We're here for the people. But yeah, yeah, Saving Private Ryan, It it's graphic, and it is, but man, cold openings-wise, it... It is near top of the totem yeah. pole. And it lasts for an unruly amount of time. Yeah. So it's a slow, slow burn. Uh, uh, what else we got? What else we got? Um, I mean, in the in the same vein of World War II, I'm going to go with Inglorious Bastards. Woo! Inglorious Au revoir, Bastards. Shoshana. Au revoir. I mean, Again. Christoph Waltz doing his monologue of quote-unquote, the Jew problem. Right. We're know. talking about Inglorious Bastards. I spoke over it a little bit. But yeah, we're talking about <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. The Quentin Tarantino film. Trying to make sure everybody can play along at home. But yeah, Christoph Waltz. But Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I mean, opens with Christoph Waltz, you know, questioning the, the French farmer about Jews in his house and Jews in the, in the, in the, in the region. And it's, it, it's, this, it's this subtle mind fuck of a cat and mouse game and it's it's only until you you watch it the second time that you realize that Christoph Waltz already knows all the answers. He's he he's walking the 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 he's walking his victim into his spider's web. He knows exactly what's happening. There's not a question in his mind. Everything from the moment he arrives is so planned out and so manipulative that the trap is already sprung by the time he shows up. And it just ends in this brutal, I mean, just massacre and this violence and the, <coughs> the, the, the soundtrack when Shoshana's running away and it's this high-tension violins and he's taking aim at her from far away and just decides, ah, fuck it, let her go. Au revoir, Shoshana. Au revoir, Shoshana. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it opens and you see the, like, it's this beautiful French countryside and there's not a, a house for miles. And you see these black SS cars coming up the driveway. It's all blasted in vibrant colors and greens and blues right. and these like even the grays and blacks are are, are so vivid yeah. and so like t like they stand out. You know, they just every color on that on that uh, in the opening scene pops. Yeah, it does. Uh, you you see them pull up to this this Frenchman's house, and you tell him you see him tell his daughters to go inside, mm -hmm. and he kind of knows that it's trouble, and. Uh, Christoph I mean, Waltz. they are Nazis, so obviously yeah, it's obviously it's trouble, yeah. <laughs> and so he tells them to go inside. Christoph Waltz uh, kind of jumps out and he kind of plays hardball with them a little bit, but he's trying to also be like, "Hey, I have nothing to hide." And as the viewer, initially, your first time watching it, you know that these are Nazis, and you kind of assume like, "Oh, he's he's obviously interrogating this man." And you see this kind of cat and mouse thing go on, and then while they're having a conversation. 
which Christoph Waltz speaks like I think four or five different languages in the Dude, film. It was amazing. He speaks Italian at one point, English, German, French, and I think something else. I think Spanish at one point, maybe. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Italian. Yeah, I've mentioned that. It's like four or five, either way. But yeah, they're having this conversation in French, and you see the camera pan through the floorboards, and all of a sudden you see a family of Jews hiding uh, underneath, and they're all got their mouths covered, and you can see them peeking up with the light. terrifying. Yeah, the light's reflecting on them through the beams or the boards in the floor, and they're all just petrified in fear. And the scene scrolls, uh, the camera pans back up, or I guess that would be a tilt, technically, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um... It goes back up through the floorboards, and you see them continue this conversation for another solid three, four, five minutes, whatever it is. And like Michael said, he knows, Christoph Waltz knows what's going on in this scenario, but eventually you hear him say, is it okay? Do you speak English? He says, yes. And he says, because he's telling them, I know that the the Jewish people are underneath the floorboards. Is it okay if we speak English for a while? He said, do they speak English? No. No. So they have this whole conversation in English with the people in the floorboards listening, and it's just terrifying. Yeah. And at the end, he tells them, like, will you point out where they are? And he points out where they are, and he says, I'm going to switch back to French now. You act like everything's okay, or else pretty much your family's dead. Yeah. And so he switches back to French. They wrap up the conversation. Hey, okay. thank you for having me over. I really appreciate it. I'm going to bring in your daughters now. And then fucking four stormtroopers come in with guns yeah. racked and ready to rock, and then... Bad shit yeah, happens. Yeah, it's... But Christoph Waltz, like his monologue and his menace and the way he controls the scene is captivating. Yeah. That dude, I mean, it's so clear why he got nominated for an Oscar. He won it. Did he win? Okay. Yeah. yeah. We can't verify that, so. I have a weird memory about certain <laughs> things. But again, I'm 85% in on things. But he did win it for that one. Okay. He also won it for. He, he deserved it. He won it for Django later as well, uh, uh, Best Supporting. Also deserved. Also, yeah. I mean, 100%. not not so. In my opinion, not as much as he did for *Inglorious Bastards*. But yeah, it's it's a harrowing scene, and it's it's brilliant. And love or hate Quentin Tarantino, it's a really really well shot scene. So, *Inglorious Bastards* on the list. What's next? What's next on the list, there, partner? Um, I'm gonna throw out uh, two that got mentioned online just by people that you know. We we posted a poll, and here's a couple of things that people responded to. Number one is *Halloween*. Okay. So this again, this doesn't quite make our list. It's 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 just an honorable mention. It's it's the fan vote. Uh, uh, Halloween. It opens with basically a killer's point of view, and he goes around and just stabs his whole family, and it, it's this really creepy, this creepy one shot of just it, it's a point of view. There's a mask in front, so all you're looking through is the little eye holes of this homemade mask and you see him grab the knife and then creep into the room and stab the sleeping mother and you stab the sleeping father and then he goes upstairs and sees the sister making out with the boyfriend and stabs him and stabs the stabs the sister and walks outside there's cops and then you pull off the mask and it just pulls out and it, you see it's a six-year-old child wow. and it's the origin story of Michael, Michael Myers, Myers yeah. stabbing his whole family and just creepy as shit. You're, he's you, talking you, about the original John Carpenter one. By yes, the way. and then you get the, the, the John Carpenter soundtrack going over with the monotone notes, the... Yeah, beep, 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 beep. yeah the 
iconic Halloween theme song. Just, it's great. It's great. Just, yeah, that one's definitely. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while. I had to go back and watch it, but yeah, that one's again not for the squeamish. It's a great opening. Great opening scene. Um, I, I noticed another one we got online, which is falls in that same vein. Was Scream, the original one yes. uh, where Drew Barrymore is answering the phone, and yep. I remember a lot of people were pissed because they had her as like top billing because she was a big name, um, but, and she's only in it for the first you know, three to five minutes. But to credit where credits due, at the time she was the highest drawing name, right? I mean, Nev Campbell was nobody. Courtney Cox barely kind of had her friends thing going. Nobody knew who Matthew Lilliard was. Nobody knew who Rose McGowan was. Nobody knew who uh, Skeet Ulrich was. Like, that was the top draw. So, admittedly, if if it was me, I would have put her on the phone. Oh, absolutely, from marketing. But, yeah, if the Scream opening is the uh, do you want to play a game and she answers the phone call and it's the killer and she's... What's your favorite... What's your favorite scary, scary movie? movie right? And um, what's name the killer from the Halloween series? Or what's uh, what's the name of? Uh, oh no, it's what is the name of the killer in Friday the th- in in uh, Friday the Thirteenth? And she goes, Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees. Wrong. If you'd watched the movie, you'd know it was Jason Voorhees' mother. Jason didn't show up until f- the sequel. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty good impression. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Yeah, that's that's a really good scene to, to open up a movie and to really set a tone. Uh, yeah, Wes Craven and Scream, that one was brutal. I mean, and from one of the masters of horror, and to take the genre and turn it on its ear and make fun of it, and to 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 even there's a scene where Jamie Kennedy's character lays out the rules of a horror movie, and then we see each one of those rules broken in turn, and it leads to a death. It's genius. It's 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 taking the the entire slasher genre, and not just making fun of it, not not ripping it apart, but paying homage to it, in a really wink at the camera, break the fourth wall kind of way. Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot. It's something that else that did that, and it, this has nothing to do with anything on our list, but like The Kingsman, for example was kind of a send-up of all the classic James Bond movies, sure. but it also kind of reinvented it in its own right as well. Of like, sure. hey, we're doing a hip spy, like, stylized thriller, and Scream was also kind of that same way. It's like, we're kind of sending it up a little bit, but they say, what is it, uh, parody is the, imitation is the best form of flattery? Best form of flattery, right. Yeah, so. It, it, it's, all the, it's all the classic horror tropes that you have come to know and love, but they're almost reinvented and redone in a new way. So you you see what's coming. You know you know how it's going to turn out based just on how the scene how the scene is playing out. But they still manage to do it in a clever and innovative way that you really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And the opening scene is just it sets the tone. Drew Barrymore getting brutally murdered, but it's terrifying and it sets the scene. Suspenseful. And also, just as an, on a personal story. We took our dad to go see that movie when it first came out because we thought... No, we, you. You. I hadn't seen it yet, but keep going with your story. Oh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. I saw this with Matthew. You're right. You're right. No, no, no. We, you had seen it with, I think, some of your friends or something like that, and then you took the rest of us to go see it. Yes, 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 yes. And I told my dad that it was more of a comedy, more of a parody than anything, and there was nothing more satisfying than watching him turn his face in horror and scream and just shriek and just, oh, 
Yeah. He walked out of that movie so bad. Like, I am never going to watch a movie with you guys again. You lied to me. You said it was funny, and that was not funny. It was not funny at all. I was actually really young at the time. And <laughs> I've always been kind of a fraidy cat. Um, I was petrified by that movie for a long time. Not like I, it was one of those things where it was one of the one of the first movies where I had um like I'd be walking the dog at night and I started start to suddenly get scared and I'm like it's the, not because I thought there was a killer but it just messed with my nerves enough for like a week so even in the in the sense that it is a there's si- the potential that there's a killer out there. it changed my outlook on certain <laughs> things and so I was actually really scared by that movie but you know I've seen it many times since then but. In order to do a proper send-up, you have to do the tropes of the genre very well. And that it does. And it all sets it up with that opening scene. So, alright, what else we got on the list? Children of Men. Holy crap. Children of Men. Alfonso Curaçao's, um, I, I, I probably botched that name, but Alfonso Curaçao. Children of Men. Starring Clive Owen. Alfonso Caracos. Yeah. <laughs> Children of Men. Starring... Uh, Clive Owen mm-hmm. and Julianne Moore and who else is in? Michael Caine's in Michael it. Michael Caine. Uh, Chitwell. Ejetifor. I'm butchering the fuck out of that name. I apologize. Yeah. Um, yeah. The opening scene. There's a there's a really weird text crawl in terms of explaining uh, the dystopia. The, that, that the dystopia. But then it opens on just a guy going to get a cup of coffee. Just. And through the news that he's watching on the TV and through the, the I, th- I think it's called diegetic sound, where it's, it's the sound that's in the, in the scene itself. Yeah, non-diegetic sound would be like if a soundtrack drops. And okay, it's right, something right. that the character I just want to make sure I yeah, got that yeah. one right. Uh, Thank you, Film Studies Class at hey, Carroll Community College. Also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so through the diegetic sound, we learn about how the population is is dropping off because no new babies are getting born. The the the, the youngest quote unquote celebrity in the world just died. Uh, he got beaten to death because of some whatever whatever. Yeah, the young whoever the youngest person on the in the world. The premise of the movie is that women have stopped being able like stop become, being fertile. Yeah, they become infertile, and so it's gone on for like I think like twenty years at this point or something like that. I think less, but there something, yeah. something around yeah, yeah. there. It's it's been long enough where shit has started. There's to a defend. generation that has not been born at this right. point. It's been almost a full generation. And not just not just that women are are being infertile, but also young people were dying at a at an at an accelerated rate. So like Babies, entire generations of babies were just dying off in the in the droves, in the right. thousands. So, uh, the opening scene though, uh, it starts with Clive Owen going to get a cup of, cup of coffee. Going to get a cup of coffee. You hear like news reports, and they they call whoever the baby something, and he's like twenty. Baby Diego. Yeah, baby Diego. That's right. They're like baby Diego has died, and he's like twenty, but he's he's a huge celebrity because he's the youngest person on the planet, and. Um, when most people think of choreography, you might think of a dance number, or you might think of like a like a kung fu fight. Mm-hmm. If you really think about the choreography that takes place in this scene, it's a one shot that just and he is a master of this. If yes. you want a, a schoolhouse one hundred and one lesson on how to do a long shot, watch Children of Men. 
I mean, the opening sequence is, I want to say, like, four or five minutes. It's like, long it's, enough, it's a yeah. long, it's a long sequence. And, uh, well, you think of, like, choreography, but there's so much that goes on. You just see people passing by in the background, and if you really put it all together... There's like, a bus going through, mm-hmm. there's traffic in the background. It's just the busy day-to-day life. But if you think about it, all these people have to be at their marks at certain times... All while the cameras do multiple, multiple um, motions of movement uh, throughout the throughout the film, the opening sequence, and so all these people are trying to hit their marks and be offset, like off off screen over here, while this person walks in, a right. bus passes by, the camera pans this way. It's a masterclass. Just the sheer moving parts, yeah. in that scene, and all of a sudden, a bomb goes off, boom, and it rattles everything, and you hear this ringing in Clive Owen's ears, whatever his character's name is. Yeah, you hear that loud for the entire rest of the scene. Yeah, and then it jumps to uh, Children of Men, the opening title card, and it's it's brilliant. It is a massive, massive undertaking, and it is brilliant in every sense of the word. And credit where credit's due, they repeat that that same sequence, not the same sequence, but the same tactic throughout the entire movie. There's, I want to say like three or four shots where it's these really long truncated shots of just sheer movement. There's a scene where they're driving in a car and they pan around everybody in the car like three or four times. And then a whole action sequence breaks out and they continue to film this in a one shot as the action sequence is happening on the outside of the car, and you get to see everybody's reaction within the car, how they people are getting shot, there's bullets, there's flames, there's motorcycles all, chase. Motorcycle chase. And it's literally like a four or five minute shot just within the interior of a car. He's... And all the action is happening on the outside, and you still get to see every single person in the car's reaction. He's no. He also directed Gravity, so, uh, with Sandra Bullock. Which you, whatever you want to say about the plot, about Sandy Bullock, Sandy Bullock, Sandy America's Bullets? sweetheart. But um, whatever you want to say about that movie, just camera work wise, that movie's brilliant. But he's known Alfonso Curazao for like inventing technology mm-hmm. to capture his imagination of the shot. So with the children of men shot in the car, it's like they they have this. It's almost like a gyroscope camera, and yes. it just can like. But they cut the doors off and the ceiling off, and then. So they can do it all in one take and everything like that. And at one point, they're driving in the car, and it's really lighthearted. Julianne Moore and Clive Owen are kind of flirting. They're spitting, like kind of blowing a ping, a ping pong, pong ball, ball. Yeah. and the other one's inhaling and catching it. So it's kind of levity. It's, it's, a, the, it's the blow-kiss game that you do with like cards at like at, at a, a boy-girl party right. like in middle school. Right, and it's like a really light scene. It's kind of a break in like the, oh, there's a little bit of joy in this world. And... Um, all of a sudden, in the background, you see a flaming, like a car that's set on fire, rolling down this mountainside to stop Into their the path. path. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it goes from zero to a hundred, and it's just there's like there's gunfire, there's flames, there's people breaking Molotov cocktails on the on the windshield. Yeah. And motorcycles start chasing them, and it's so the opening scene kind of sets the tone for all the long shots. I had to watch some of some of the clips from that to do like to write a paper on it recently. And uh, there's there's a lot throughout this film, and the opening sequence really like gives you a good taste of what's about to come. So yeah, Children of Men. If you haven't watched it, definitely watch the opening scene, and it'll be hard for you to not watch the rest of the film. Uh, yeah. So 
So just tying onto that, I'm going to just piggyback on that and tie in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Speaking of dystopia. Speaking of which, um, yeah, opening sequence is literally Mad Max is taking a piss and then gets chased by a bunch of cannibalistic uh, meth-fueled gearheads and... Gets captured. He tries to escape. He's swinging on chains. I mean, just it's a, it is so frenetic and so energetic and so just it moves so quickly. I mean, it 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 sets the pace so well for that movie. Just this movie moves at such a brisk pace that the, it, and I don't mean this as as a detriment to the movie. It's almost like the plot line doesn't matter. It's just, it just, you just got to keep up with where we are right. in the story now. Right. And where we are in the story now is just here's the world. People are coming to get Max, and shit is messed up right now. The plot line of the movie is they get together, they drive somewhere to go do something. Drive to point A, and then they drive back, and then they go back to point B, yeah. and it works in so many ways because. Uh, not George Romero. What's his name? Uh, George Miller. George Miller. George yeah. Miller. Uh, again, just the sheer moving parts, and I mean that in the literal and metaphysical sense right. of like not only just the gears of the of the machines and just <coughs> so much, so much going on, so much. It it is one of my favorite movies ever. I literally saw that movie. With my brother Matthew, we walked out of the theater and we're talking about it so much that we were like, we should just go see it again. Like, well, fuck it. Let's just go buy another ticket. And we went and saw it again. Immediately. Immediately. Like, let's just dedicate the next two hours to just go and watch this movie again. It's fantastic. And the opening scene is so madcap and so energetic and so chrome-fueled. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Just, it's worth... If, the, if you're not hooked by the first three minutes of that movie, it's not for you. It starts, I believe, with like, like I said, he's, he's using the restroom or whatever, and you see this two-headed, over, like there's this voiceover you kind of hear like news, and it's Mad Max doing a voiceover and stuff, and they're talking about I'm like... I'm a madman in the sane world, yeah. and how do I justify the things I've done, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and there, you hear like these newscasters going on about like the oil wars, and how it's everything's desolate, and then they talk about like a nuclear fallout, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so it's him, it kind of opens up with him in this just barren desert. I think they shot it in Australia. And No. Okay, well hang on, hang on to that. Um, he, you see this two-headed lizard run out, mm-hmm. and he, you see the lizard run underneath his foot, and he skitter, stomps skitter, on skitter, it. Skitter, skitter, skitter. It closes up on his face, you see him eat the lizard real quick, and then he looks back, and he jumps in his car, he, tra- he turns on the engine, it sounds like an airplane taking off, Whoosh. and then he takes off down this uh, ravine, and you just see dune buggies and motorcycles piling off behind just them. crazy And you shit. are in the world. Listen, if you want to see somebody playing a flame-spitting guitar strapped to bungee cords atop 40-foot speakers during a chase scene, during a desert storm where cars are being uplifted and turned about and exploding, bro, have I got a movie for you. This movie is amazing. Just that's all I'm going to say about it. Watch the opening sequence, and if you you'll are not hooked. hooked in by the opening sequence, turn it off. Yeah, you'll be. But hooked. I promise you, you will be hooked in by the opening sequence. Uh, yeah, I would almost bet money. Where was a shot? Real quick, just go back to that. 
You said it was a shot in Australia? I thought it was. Uh, it was shot by some island boys. <laughs> Thank you. We're trying not to get sued here. Oh, man. Anyways. Yeah, Mad Max Fury Road. The, also, the original Mad Max had a good opening as well. So if, yeah. you, if that one catches your attention, go back and watch the first one with Melly Gibson. Melly not Gibson. quite, to, in my personal opinion. I pay respect because it came first, but I like Fury Road a little bit better. I would say as much respect as I have to the original Melly Gibson, the uh, uh, Mad Max... It, that's a really slow burn. I would say watch The Road Warrior. I, I that, was, that to me is a little bit more direct. It's a little bit more... It, it, it gets right to the point. Yeah, I was just referring to the uh, the cold open. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you get to, you get to see Lord Humongous. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, anytime you're bringing a dude in a hockey mask and, like, S&M outfit, I'm down. Yeah. I'm just... I'm going to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I want to see more. Yeah. Just walk away. Yeah. We just want the gas. Just walk away. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great movie. Uh, anyways, uh, what else is on the list, my friend? Tell, you tell me. I'm sorry, you hear the paper rustling. We actually wrote this down for once. Hey. Um, all right, to open with... Uh, all right, we'll kind of keep it not necessarily dystopia, but uh, I guess a little bit it is. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Great opening sequence. Oh, my uh, God. I, the first one... Ryan Filippi is great. Ryan Filippi? No, that's not who it is. It's Gosling. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That's yeah. Anthony Michael Hall as Goose. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's... I don't know why he's hating on Ryan Gosling <laughs> in the moment, but... Yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Um, the first Blade Runner... Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it has a cold open or not. I don't really... Kind of, but... Eh. I see... Now, I may be wrong in this, but I remember it has a cold opening, except it runs the the cast credits on top of the... the so you don't you don't get the title credit. You don't get Blade, the, the, the Blade Runner uh, uh, title card. Right. But you do get the, the, the actor opening credits. There's also three versions of that movie. And That's I know, like... So I'm not sure which one to consider as what, so I'm just kind of omitting it. I know that, like, one opens with a voiceover... One has no voiceover throughout the entire film, so I, I don't know. There's too many for me to decipher through, even though there's probably only three. But I'm going to go with uh, Blade Runner 2049. It opens up uh, the futuristic world. Uh, you see Ryan Gosling pull up in his space car, his hover car or whatever. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, and he pulls up, and it's just him walking to go have a conversation with somebody, and it's Dave Batista. I believe he's gardening or something like that. I'm sorry, what's his name? Dave Batista. Yeah! I walk alone! Michael, that is a... Check your uh, scorecard at home. That's Michael's wrestling I walk for miles inside this pit of danger. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But yeah, that's your wrestling reference if you're playing along bingo at home. Um, But yeah, he walks up to Dave Batista, and he's like gardening or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it really just devolved quickly. To Ryan Gosling just being thrown through walls. Getting just fucked getting, up by Dave Bautista. Yeah, they just beat the hell out of each other for the opening title. It's great. Yeah, and it's Denis Villeneuve, uh, Denis director Villeneuve. of Dune, director of Arrival, just brilliant, director of Sicario, the first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, written by Taylor Taylor Sheridan, the first Sicario right. was. But, um, yeah, so he's, he's a master at what he does. And it's just beautiful to look at. Um, I think it's... Uh, Deke, Roger Deakin was the cinematographer for that one. I'll take your word on yeah, that. Yeah, because I know he was nominated for like 15 or 16 Oscars before he won for that movie. 
And so he's, he's like a master of his craft. How do you know that shit? Dude, I know weird shit. <laughs> That's why when you're sometimes like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, pretty much I'm sure. pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, he finally won an Oscar for it. It is beautiful. So yeah, Blade Runner 2049 is just, I, I don't want to ruin it for you, but just definitely check it out. It's, it's like the fight scene, it's not like, oh my God, the choreography is so great. It's just the way that everything's framed and set up and shot. It's just absolutely wonderful. And they just beat the hell out of each other. And It is a great fight scene, like. At one point, Ryan Gosling is trying to reach for his gun, and Batista just keeps throwing him through the fucking walls. And like, I mean, there, there's literally there's literally a, a a moment where Batista takes off his glasses and is just like, "So this is what it is, huh?" Yep. If you know anything about the Blade Runner world, one of them may or may not be a replicant. May or may not. <laughs> may or may not be. I don't want to spoil it. We won't but, spoil you know, it too much, but. It's worth a look. It's yeah. Yeah, there is a scene though where Dave Bautista kind of like takes his glasses off and he's like, "Man, I'm just living peacefully here. Like, what do you want?" And he knows what he wants. See, here's the thing: had he stayed perfectly still, yep, he would have mastered the art of invisibility. Absolutely, he would have. Absolutely, he would have. <laughs> it's a Drax reference for you for our MCU fans, which we will get into. We do promise. Oh, I can't wait for it. Guardians of the Galaxy. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'll get into... Or do you want to talk about nope, 2049? Uh, I will get into the next one only because it has Ryan Gosling in the film as well. And then uh, we'll take a quick break after that and we'll come back. But I'll bring this one up first. Um, my favorite musical opening ever, it's not a cold open, it, even though it should be, is The Pest starring John Leguizamo because it opens up with a really silly song. I like to party in the breeze, cruise the streets, plays three car money. Yeah. Yeah. Straight Hustler, The Pest Meister. Yeah. The Pest is my favorite musical opening ever. But it does open with the with the cast credits It does open with the cast credits above it. So we had to exclude that. But another one, and some people were going to give this movie shit just because of its nature, but La La Land. Listen, I'm not a fan of musicals, but that is a great cold opening. It totally sets the scene for here's L.A. during a certain time period, during a, a, a very specific period in L.A. Yep. And here's how we're going to go. Now, I do have a problem that I've already seen that in an R.E.M. video before. You know, everybody hurts sometimes. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that, but that the amount of moving pieces in the Aria video <laughs> this are not anywhere near the same. Like, no, no. I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, it's not anywhere near the same tier. But no, uh, if you haven't seen it, it starts off. It's a traffic jam in L.A. They're on an overpass. You hear some music start to play. And um, I forget the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, because it becomes this like big band swing kind of thing. Yeah, and this woman is singing in her car about life in L.A. And she gets out and starts dancing. And then everybody she starts. Everyone else starts singing. And then it cuts to another guy singing, and he talks about his day in L.A. What another sunny day, or whatever the exact lyrics are. I'm pretty close. Again, I'm about 85 percent sure on this. And he starts singing, and then before you know it, there's people hopping around on BMXs and skateboards. They open up the back of a truck, and there's a four-piece band, and one guy's playing the drums. The other dude's got a horn and a flute. It's People you know, are like, flipping off of cars. It is a massive undertaking. It is. It is. And Damien also, Chazelle, big credit to him on that one. 
Was that the, the director? The, the director? Yeah, okay. he, d- he directed Whiplash as well. Damien Chazelle? Chazelle, I believe, yeah. Okay, okay. That's funny. It's just, it's so relatable to me because that was my high school musical where like, I just remember going into, into high school and everybody jumps up on the cafeteria tables and we all started singing and, you know. Yeah. Everybody, you know. You had, had a real life shine. experience. <laughs> I remember I started tap dancing and then I won this girl over and then yeah. she ended up going into porn. It was all sad. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. That was faint. That was yeah, not me. Was I'm, sorry. Right. Was I'm sorry. That was faint. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That wasn't me. Yeah. No, I understand people's problem with the with the film as a whole. How it kind of just like white splains jazz to people. I just, I hate musicals. I just do. It's such a I good just, movie it though, is, man. It is. It is. And like, the last 10 minutes is up in reverse. And I love that about it. I, I love that about it. Listen, as far as musicals go, it's not bad. Yeah. But you can't say that the opening scene is not like... Credit where credit's due. That's why it made the list. Yeah. It definitely... Well, it made your list. It definitely (laughs) did. I I have to give it credit. And I'm not a big musical guy either. It's either I'll watch it because somebody I'm with wants to watch it and I'm like, eh, okay. Or I'm all in. There's certain ones that just kind of get me and La La Land, I, I bet on it. I'm in. Sure. Well, yeah, the opening scene is just, I remember, what another lovely, or what another sunny day, and then boom, and you see the words La La Land come across the screen, mm-hmm. right? and then the proper movie starts. It is a cold open of cold opens, there's no debate on that one, but yeah, The Pest still gets my credit for my favorite, <laughs> but La La Land. Um, if you haven't seen The Pest, please go watch it. It yeah. is John Leguizamo being a cartoon character for about 90 minutes, Yep, and it's pretty entertaining. Yep, Absolutely. Um, on that note, I think we're going to put a pin in here. We will be right back. Don't touch your radio dials. Uh, you probably won't notice a difference because of the magic of editing. So, uh, yeah, we'll be right back. So, here's a word from our sponsor, Otter Pops. <laughs> so, thank you for our sponsors, Otter Pops. If you're poor as shit and don't mind cuts in your mouth all summer long, <laughs> Otter Pops. <laughs> oh, man. A bundle of four hundred for two bucks and fifty cents. Because <laughs> you're too cheap to bag Kool Aid and freeze it yourself. <laughs> Anyways, those things are delicious on a hot day. They are, they are. But also, you do get herpes yeah, sores yeah. on the side of your mouth yeah. every fucking summer. Yeah, absolutely, it just is what it is. Anyways, cold opens. That's what we're talking about. Hey, here. cold opens, cold, cold weather, popsicles. cold opens. Yep, cold popsicles. <laughs> Cold emotions, <laughs> cold feelings of being dead inside. Cold-blooded. Yeah, Rick James, cold-blooded. Anyways, uh, the next movie we wanted to talk about, uh, I'm going to let you tackle this one because we were just talking about it. Up, the wonderful Pixar film. Okay. Rest in peace, Ed Asner. Uh, if you got I... something, pour it up. Hold it up for the man. He did a lot of good work. Anyways, the movie Up, Disney Pixar. Ed Asner, dude. That's my little hole. That's where it spits. <laughs> it's a, your mom's house joke. But uh, <laughs> for right. all my mommies out there. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. So I honestly always thought that this opened in the whole sequence with uh, the uh, it's Carl and Ellie uh, through their whole romance and growing old together. It honestly, the opening sequence is strictly young Carl, like young boy Carl, watching a movie phone newsreel from the 40s about his favorite explorer and it it kind of sets the scene but it 
but the Ellie and Carl scene is so much more powerful, but that happens after the credits. Yep. So it doesn't really count, but it's worth mentioning. So yeah. I have to just put it out there in terms of the opening credits of Up are not <coughs> what you think they are. It opens on young Carl watching a a movie reel about the spirit the, of adventure, the spirit of adventure, the and the explorer, the sort of uh, Earl uh, 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 Hemingway esque sort of ex- explorer um, going out to Africa and 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 getting South America, but yeah, South yeah. America, right? South yeah, America to the falls, right? And and him being discredited and having his medals ripped off because he faked the the skeleton of the giant dino bird or whatever yeah. it's called, the monster of whatever falls, yeah. The, Right, 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 right. Um, but I had always imagined it as the Ellie and Carl love story where it, it's, a, it's a montage of them falling in love and you're weird and I love you and getting married and then she dies. And like, if you've never seen the opening 10 minutes of Up, that's a movie within itself. Yeah. And if you don't cry at that, you have no emotions. Just... Just admit that your heart is black and obsidian-based. Pretty much. And full of vitriol and venom. If you don't cry at the first opening ten minutes of Up, you have no soul. Yeah, it is... The joke is that Up is a better love story in ten minutes than Twilight was in four movies. Yes. Or the first three prequel Star Wars films. Yes. But, once again, to reiterate... That short movie, that short film, which Pixar is so masterfully just above the grade of everybody else on making short films. I mean, they've won Oscars for it and everything, minus like the early Looney Tunes, Mary Melody stuff. But um, yeah, the the actually the credits start to roll at two minutes and forty seven seconds, mm-hmm. and that's when young Carl goes into the house and meets Ellie, and you hear adventure is out Ellie. there. Yeah, but the yeah, opening yeah. two minutes and forty seven seconds is young Carl in the movie house. Uh, listening to the story of, of the explorer that was discredited and you know was uh, on the spirit of adventure, and right when you see his balloon, the blue balloon, the spirit of adventure balloon, him running down the sidewalk, that's when the credit starts to roll, that's and when that's this... when that kicks in. Right. I will say that if if the following eight or ten minutes or whatever it is was the was the actual cold, cold opening, that, then would, that be would be my absolute number favorite. One. Number one, one hundred percent. The first again. I've already said it. I'll say it again. I will go to my grave on this. The first opening 10 minutes of Up are one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. There's an, a, a complete emotional roller coaster there. And you feel beautiful and satisfied and yet so depressed and so sad afterwards. It's this weird cocktail of emotions and it works <clears throat> wonderfully. It is weird because it all ends with him being old on the porch. And alone. And, and alone. And the, the construction's going on at his house. And he sits on the front porch. And that's when you see the title card up. So it's almost a cold opening. Almost. Like almost. Yeah. We're kind of on the fence about if it. You, if, you, if you ignore the, the actor credits and the, the producer credits as the whole Ellie story is happening... And strictly stick to once they show the title card, then yes, you could include all of that. Because it doesn't actually appear until after he's in his house watching the construction. 
And he goes and gets his paper and gets slams paper. the door. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, so you could technically include that, but I don't feel yeah. comfortable including it according to the rules. It defaults by technicality. Yeah, but again, if I were to pay the full like price of a movie ticket, and they're like, oh, you got to go see Up, and I just saw that first 10 minutes, Done. I'd be like... That might have been worth the $15. Absolutely. I'd be kind of like, okay, I thought it was going to be longer, but okay. But I wouldn't be dissatisfied. But yeah, it's a... So we're only... Definitely that one's high on the list. Let us know what you think about it. We'll we'll give you the email address at the end. It's a... Well, I'll just give it to you now. What you been watching podcast at gmail.com. If you think that that's... Counts, Spell it out. Yeah, it's whatcha, W-H-A-T-C-H-A-B-E-E-N. Watching. No G. Watching podcast at gmail.com let us know if you think that qualifies we think it is an amazing opening here at what you've been watching we really do but we're kind of faulting on even the first two minutes 47 seconds is pretty damn good but it ain't eh, we don't know if it technically is makes the list because of that so default on technicality yeah but uh amazing 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 openings all the way around uh from there uh what do you want to talk about man let's go into Another adventure movie. Some people on we looked around on some websites to kind of give us some ideas. Some people listed this as their absolute favorite. Before we get into it, another one we were gonna kind of qualify as only because it's so iconic. We were gonna talk Star Wars because the crawl kind of is the cold opening. Yeah, and it's absolutely iconic and it goes kind of right into the film. But it's to me, it's more of like a setup. It's kind of like. Technically, the opening of Black Panther is a cold open when it has them explaining in the in the um, the vibranium dots and everything the story of Wakanda and how they right right it kind of is but it's or also, Conan or or like I, I can't but it's a I, I can't in good conscience include a, a text crawl as a as a cold open because it just although it sets the scene it's it's not such a direct it's like. It's, it's a little, not a direct drop. It, it, it doesn't just put you right in the middle of the scene. It almost sort of prepares you. What's well, an exposition dump? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, again, if we're not... Star Wars, if you if that makes your list, I understand it's absolutely iconic. But to keep it in that light, um, a lot of people consider this the best. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, come on, man. Ooh. When he gets the idol and he's got the sandbag and he, like... That, to me, sets the tone of a wonderful adventure that you are about to take place on. You know everything you need to know about Indiana Jones right up front. You're in the world. You're yeah. with him. Yeah. What he does yeah. on a yeah. day-to-day basis, this is him as, he, as he's living right here in the moment. And that that is how you set up a movie. Throw me the whip. Throw me the idol. Throw me the whip. <laughs> Throw me the idol, yeah. Adios, muchacho. Yeah. Alfred Molina, shout out. Or Molina, shout out. Oh, Doc Ox? Yeah, man. Doc Ox, Doc Ox? Yeah. Um, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't really know what else to say about that. I mean, you really could put any of the Indiana Jones movies on that. I mean, Temple of Doom opens up with a musical number. So if you wanted to include La La Land, then I would I would also argue that Temple of Doom opens up with, you know, a complete 1940s lounge right. singer act, you know, anything goes. Oh, yeah. I just... It's because Raiders did it first and it did it so well. Sure. Like, it just set the bar. So everything else just kind of seems like, eh. But it did it early on. And it's just, it just set the bar for all of this stuff, man. So, 
I don't really know what else to say about it. It is like the pin, like one of the pinnacles of how you, like this is how you do a cold open. We're gonna yeah. show you. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna show you everything that you need to know about our protagonist without actually telling you everything we need to know about the protagonist. Like in 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 Blade Runner or in Conan or in Star Wars, there's a whole text crawl that sort of sets you up for it. It, 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 it predicates the entire motive of the movie and, and sort of gives you a brief preview into what to expect. Whereas Indiana Jones just straight up opens on like, oh no, here's Harrison Ford. He's a badass. He shoots a guy because he heard him pull a, pull a pistol on him. So he just, Wacha! you know. Yeah. Outrun boulders. Running outrun past boulders. Dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's brilliant. Like here's the world, go play. And it's yeah, just, yeah. And again, you 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 get the the genius of Steven Spielberg and, <laughs> and George Lucas, and you know the, just their sense of of grandiose cinematography and the 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 element of the old 1940s uh, adventure series, which works so well because of what it is in terms of, of presenting information in a very simple scale. Right. And it kind of, like, that whole movie, like, there have been action movies up to that point, but, like, that to me was, as a kid, the first time I remember, like, between that and Star Wars, they are action movies, there is drama in them, but it's an adventure movie. You know, it's yes. like, it's almost its own category. It's like the action-adventure movie, but that adventure aspect of it was so important. And yeah. no one does it better than Raiders of the Lost Ark to open it up, like... Again, I don't know what else to say about it. If you haven't watched it, take five minutes out of your day and watch it. Remember when it came out and be like, oh, wow, they did this way early on and set the tone. So that's And all with practical effects as well. Like yeah. it's there, There's not a scene in there that is CGI or green screen. They shot that either on location or in a Hollywood backlot, but they blended it so well that you can't tell the difference. It's brilliant. It, it's movie it's, magic. It's, it's genius <laughs> filmmaking at its most simplistic form. I don't know what else to say. I, yeah, it's a slam dunk, man. Rated. Also, doggy style. Yeah, doggy style. All right. More ladies' man <laughs> references. Okay. Uh, where are we at? Raiders? Um, let's go into... Michael, I think you would take the spearhead on this one. The first Kevin Smith film. Clerks. Okay. So... I want to include this one. I'm kind of on the fence about it because really you get a sense for the movie during the opening montage when he's opening up the store and he's, you know, the, there, there's gum in the locks and he's painting the sign, I assure you that we're open and he goes to check for the papers but they didn't deliver the papers so he just goes to the other corner store and pays 25 cents and just steals all the papers closes the door and gets his quarterback and he's like, hey, good, going to be a good day today. But that, again, that all happens after the title sequence. Yep. The very, very first opening shot that we get is Dante's room. He gets a phone call and he rolls out of his closet, out of his dirty clothes. And all we get is that Dante is supposed to have the day off today. He gets called in. And he, agree, and he agrees to do it. And then all of a sudden, just smash cut to the title card of Clerks. Yeah. 
He says, I'm playing hockey at 2. I'm playing hockey at... Promise me you'll be there by right, noon right. and I'll do he, it. He's Promise the, me. He's yeah. on the phone and we, and we get a one-sided, con, a, a one-sided version of the conversation. But it tells us everything that we, that we need to know. Dante got called in. He doesn't want to be there. He's got other shit to deal with. And God damn it, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yep, he's a little bit of a slacker. and. But then you... It, that whole scene lasts for about 90 seconds. At, the, yeah, at most. At maybe. most. At most. And then smash cut to the title card of Clerks. And then the whole montage of him going through his day and starting up. So again, it's, it's very much like the, the it, it's very much like Up in terms of the sequence that really opens the movie isn't really the sequence that opens the movie. Yeah. But yet it still sets the tone in, in, in not so... Not as much as it will be set up by the following scenes, but it still sets up the opening movie in its own way. It's Very, just not necessarily the the opening scene that most people remember. Right, right. It, I, I agree with like I know how important this movie is to you, and you know I I dig on Kevin Smith's films as well, uh, especially the early ones. Um, it wouldn't have made my list, but I, I get it. You know, it's it definitely tells you a lot about the world very quickly and. A lot about like oh you're in the world very quickly of well if 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 clerks is to be seen from strictly the protagonist point of view which Dante is that guy he right. is the protagonist of the movie and very in my opinion it very much is meant to be seen through his perspective right it makes sense to open up with his one-sided conversation where you learn everything that you need to know about him in the first thirty seconds yeah. It's my day off. I don't want to be here. I have stuff to do, but I'll help you out because I'm so indecisive and I can't stand up for myself that I'm willing to capitulate and bend to your will because it's just easier for me to accommodate than it is to stand my ground, whether it's in relationships with Veronica or, or... with my own best friend or whatever my boundaries may be, it, I'm willing to bend because it's just easier for me. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a good opening scene. Again, I don't know if it would have made my list, but hey, we're taking this from a, a joint group effort. I understand why it's there, though. Um, all right. From there, we're going to kind of get a little bit into the uh, superhero realm. Uh, not quite yet, but we're going to set it up. Superhero? 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 Yep. Um, for me, you guys have heard, if you've listened to the podcast at all, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But The Matrix, once again, making our list, making my Great list, open. making. But come on, man. Like, when they pull up and you. you you kind of see everything going on, and you, you hear the score come in. I think it's Alan Silvestri that does it, um, with the, the ominous tones coming in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you see us kind of dive into the what we don't really know what the Matrix is yet. And you just see a bunch of police cars pull up, and you see the agents get out. And they're like, oh, it's just one girl. I think we can handle it. He's like, no, your men are already dead. And that's And that's such an interesting perspective to me, because instead of opening up on... The protagonist, Neo, or opening up on the secondary character of Trinity, we open up on the villain. Yeah. So it's so as the audience, the very first perspective that we have is Agent Smith perspective of 
we're trying to infiltrate this this house. It's it's a terrorist. It's whatever. We're, we got to bring the SWAT team, yada, yada, yada. Oh, I've already sent men up. No, your men are already dead. dead. And that's such an interesting perspective to open up from of already I don't trust what's happening in front of me. Already I don't believe anything that my eyes are going to see. So when Trinity jumps into the 360 camera kick oh, or, yeah. or they go into bullet time or whatever. I, as the audience member, I'm already non-committed to what's happening in front of me. I already don't, I, there's already a suspension of, of, of disbelief. Like there's nothing that I can see that's going to happen in front of me that I can commit to. This is the truth. Right. There's, there's a big rule that I try to live by, and I don't mind movies taking whatever liberties they want, but whatever the parameters are that you set, I just hate it when movies later are like, oh, we can do this simply mm -hmm. because we need the plot for him to do this. Like, whatever the rules are you set up, I can suspend my disbelief within those parameters, even with a fair amount of flexibility. But when people can just start doing things just to do them, like, The Matrix is one of those things, like, when you see her jump in the air and do the, the famous crane kick that everyone's Ooh. often imitated, never duplicated, Shh. and you see that and her kick the shit out of that dude, yes, like, you are a hook, line, and sinker. Donzo. And she's pulling the gun, she's like, get up. Get up, Trinity. Get up. Like, you're, you're hooked. Like, it's, what, what journey am I going on? Right. What is this right. Matrix? Why is everything kind of greenish? What, like, what is this hacker doing? How did she do that? Is she a robot? Is she... And just more will be revealed. But it's hard to argue, man. Like, again, I know for current generations, well, that Matrix, y'all talk about it, it's played out. Like, y'all don't know what it was like when that movie came out, man. I'm trying I to mean, tell you. That was the bees, knees, the insects, ligaments. I'm telling you, the best thing you ever did for me was not spoil that movie <laughs> for me. Because it would have been ruined. I would have nope. never gone to see that movie. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, man. But, yeah, The Matrix. Um, from there... You want to talk on it anymore? Uh, I Matrix? mean, I, I'm okay with it. it, it yeah, just it, so influential. Like it set the tone for every action movie after that in terms of Taken or The Fast and the Furious. I mean, just all these other movies that opened with this cold open, hardcore action scene that just set the entire tone of the movie. I mean, it, there's there's been other imitators. But that one just captured the audience imagination because you didn't know what to expect. From the very jump, everything was suspect. The literal jump. Yeah, the, the literal yeah, yeah. jump. Everything was suspect. I would I would hate to be like a movie in, in like post production trying to wrap it up and then that movie comes out and I'm like, man, they just shit on our whole like everything we're doing here ain't shit now in the first three minutes of this other movie. Right. Like, yeah. man, this just cam this thing. Like, who cares? Like, right. we, we, we don't have that. We got a buddy cop movie <laughs> to shoot out and gruff one-liners and all that stuff. Like, miss me with it, dude. Like, we, yeah. we, don't, we don't have shit on this movie. And again, it's from the word go. Like, yeah. Yeah, change the game, man. Change the game. So from there, we'll kind of keep it in the sci-fi realm unless you got anything else. Nope, I'm good. All right, cool. Um, in the sci-fi realm as well. We're going to dive a little bit into the MCU here. Okay. Now, they have a lot of good open, cold openings in the MCU. Iron Man, the first one, you get to know everything about Iron Man as he is. 
and kind of like it sets up who he is and everything like that. And that was kind of a really, really good one. But I'm gonna. That's a great. It's cold a great cold open. That's when a he, great cold. Him riding in the Humvee and. The, the fun V. Hold on. Yeah, it's the, the fun V and the humdrum V. The humdrum V. It's my favorite right. joke in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And he's and he's being real. He's talking to the soldiers and being all super charismatic. And, Can I take and, a selfie? No, I'm just kidding. Throw it. I'm just no gang throw signs. No yeah, gang signs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like charming. Just yeah. great. Great cold thing. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but no, that's that's a really really good one, and that set the bar. So, but if I'm looking at the entire MCU, and I'm thinking best cold openings, there is one that stands above the rest. And unfortunately, it's a little hard to get into because you would have had to have seen like 18 other movies at that point. Yeah. Avengers Infinity War. Man. And I'll give it this one above all the other ones because the entire landscape of the Marvel Cinematic Universe changed. Yes. Instantly. It's like, oh, Hulk's not Hulk anymore. He just got his ass beat thoroughly by Thanos. Loki's dead. Loki's dead. The Asgardians, yeah, is dead. Gone. He's already got two stones. It was like within the first five minutes, you're like, "Oh shit!" Like Thanos is coming, and it's real deal. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. it was like from there, it picks up the pace really quickly. As the scene in New York where he's like, "I'm sorry, Squidward. Earth is closed for business today." But that opening sequence. So that that opening sequence ends with he's coming, he's coming, Thanos. Thanos who, is coming. And then title card Infinity War. Yeah, it ends with. Uh, the Hulk when um, Heimdall... Or Endgame, I'm sorry. No, no, it's Infinity War. Okay, right, right. Endgame has a good one, too. That's the Hawkeye sequence, but we'll, we'll spare oh, that. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's Ronan? Where his daughter, where he, everyone turns to dust when he's teaching his daughter how oh, to be an archer. Oh, shit, never mind. But, yeah. but in Infinity War, it opens with Thanos crashing the Asgardian ship yes. post-Thor Ragnarok. Right. And he has killed half of everyone on board, and then... He's bested Thor already. Loki tries to make a deal with him. He gets his neck snapped. He already has one stone. It's it, it happens very quickly. And then yeah, he has the power stone on him already. Yeah. The Hulk fights him. He bests the Hulk effortlessly. I and, mean by just hitting all of his pressure points and all of his like nerve clusters and stuff. I mean like it's almost he just Ric Flair slaps the shit out of him. Yeah. He, he fucks him up. My, and everyone, I love how the directors, Anthony and Joe Russo, everyone was like, well, Thanos wouldn't have beat Hulk if he didn't have the Power Stone. And they very quickly on Twitter were like, trust us. He would have beat him with or without it. Yep. Trust us. Yep. And you, you see that later at the end of Endgame when he doesn't have the glove and he beats fucks up Captain America. And, and Iron Man and, and Thor. Man, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, that, that to me takes the cake. Like, Avengers Ultron was another really good one in the sense that it opened with a bang. Like, you get the money shot right up close. It took a full movie of the Avengers to get to that circular shot, which everybody knows. Yes. And Ultron just opens up with a bang. Hawkeye flies off the Jeep. Everyone dives in. Your money shot's right up front. Right, right, right. The, but, the, you get the, the, the cover spread where it's all the Avengers coming, like, from left, left to right, right screen. Yeah. And, and yeah. you get the, the dynamic poses and Hulk's going to go smash and Captain America's about to throw a shield and Hawkeye's got his bow, bow drawn and right. Black Widow's jumping in with her batons. and Yeah. But Infinity War, for me, takes the cake again because it changes the landscape of the MCU yes. so quickly. And that's not even... It changes drastically. Most, most of the other films, it takes a full movie for them to make a change like that. They're like, oh, we're going to do it in the first five minutes. Don't worry. By the end of the movie, you're going to forget all about that. Right. So, like, it's a 
That to me takes the cake. I feel like I've rambled on enough about it, but no, yeah. no, I agree. Within the first three minutes of the movie, you understand Thanos as a viable threat. You like you as an audit. You could have never seen any of the the extra stuff on, on the Avengers, or you could know you could know nothing about Thanos and his history, and watch the first opening credits <laughs> of that, and understand how powerful and how deadly. Thanos is. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that is snapping the necks of Asgardians on a whim. Yep. Yep. It also works brilliantly. When I first saw this movie, I saw it like a day or two before Michael. And uh, I called him. I was living in Maryland at the time. He was in Florida. And he wanted to know. He's like, tell me about it, but don't spoil it. And I thought of it for a second. And I said... There is no spoon. Yeah, there is no spoon. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I just said, um, that was a good joke. Uh, no, I told him that, <clears throat> excuse me, that it's not an Avengers movie, that it's a Thanos, Thanos movie. movie. Yep. And that sets the tone for it. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not an Avengers movie, that it's a Thanos movie. And that he is the protagonist, and that every character you see from that point forward is simply how they interact with him. While he may not yes. be in every scene, it's simply, oh, how do we interact with this guy? Right. And Endgame the- is very much so the Avengers, now we settle the score doing X, Y, and Z with our time heist, but Infinity War is a Thanos movie. Yeah, it, it, it's all of the Avengers are reactionary to Thanos. He yeah. is the driving force of that movie. Like it's You see how Tony Stark reacts. You see how Captain America reacts. You see how the Hulk reacts. You see how... All of them go through this emotion of, how do I deal with this? This is a global, not even just a global threat, a universal threat that I've never dealt with on this scale before. Oh my God, I'm just a dude with arrows, or I'm a dude that shrinks, or I'm just, I'm the smartest guy on the planet, or I got a shield and a a flag. What do I do? How do I compare to, how do I compare to the literal face of God? Like... What do I do when I'm the best fighter in the world, but my arms are just too short to box God? Yeah, that's a really good analogy. By the way, one other scene I like, it's not in the opening, but when uh, Captain America post-Civil War, when Tony goes up into space and Captain America says, Earth just lost its best defender. I love that because there's another scene where Tony Stark is talking to Spider-Man in a previous one and he's like, Trust me, kid, if Cap wanted to lay you out, he'd lay you out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Cap kind of reciprocated that behind Tony's back, was like, Earth just lost its best defender. I always like that line. I always like that line. I'm like, hey, man. Yeah, he's Cap, that dude. Cap understands that he's the he is the face of the Avengers, but he's not the body of yeah. the Avengers. He definitely understands that Tony Stark is everything behind the Avengers. Like, he, Tony Stark is the muscle, he's the money, he is... He the is, wallet. <laughs> he's the, yeah. He's the wallet. He is, he is, he is everything that the Avengers should aspire to be. Yep. He just happens to be the face. Yep. All right, we got to pivot or else we're just going to keep right. talking MCU for the next hour and a half. Okay. Uh, Small... We're going to take a short break. Uh, here's, a, here's a word from our sponsors. Uh... Jungle juice. Is that the one in the barrels? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll definitely promote that. (laughs) 
And we're back. Thank you for our sponsors, Hug Fruit Barrels. Were you ever on a flag football team and your parents had to bring snacks that week but they were too poor to buy Capri Suns? <laughs> Hug Fruit Barrels. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> also brought to you by Orange Slices. Orange Slices. Oh, man. All right. So Infinity War made the list. So keeping in with Infinity War and the superhero theme, I'm going to bring up The Dark Knight. Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight. Yeah. I mean... I know, it pains you to admit it. It pains all of us. It, listen, the opening sequence is great. As, as many problems as I have with the rest of the movie, the opening sequence in and of itself, just exactly like Up is its own, is its own opening sequence unto its own movie, the opening sequence of The Dark Knight is a singular vision of cinema gloriousness it's it's so well put together sets the scene so well they automatically start in the 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 low dulcet the 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 the, the tone the 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 strange violin string it's you know what i'm talking Hans about Hans zimmer score yeah yeah the, the 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 strange violin strings of the joker's insanity they they set it off from the from the jump of the movie yep and and from the from the very beginning there's betrayal there's Every person on the team robbing the bank, whether they're sliding down and on zip lines or cracking cutting, the safe, cr- cracking the safe or cutting off the the, the emergency the alarms. emergency alarms or whatever, everybody gets betrayed, and so it completely sets the tone of Joker is just this maniacal conniving fiend that can't be trusted. No matter what he says. And it's fucking great. He pulls off a clown mask to reveal... Clown painting. Another clown mask. Yeah. Like, how genius is that? Yeah. Yeah, and that, the idea that they're all wearing clowns and he's like, uh, Oh, I bet you were told to kill me. He's like, kill you? No, no, no. I killed the bus driver. He's like, right. bus driver? Bam! Bam! Right. Yeah. And then smash cut, bus driver comes through. Oh my god, I thought there was going to be more guys. Yeah, me yeah, too. Me too. Clap, clap, clap. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a it's a brilliant opening scene. It sets the tone so well for that movie of like, oh, Gotham has just gotten way out of hand. They're robbing banks in broad daylight while school children are getting home, like just getting on the bus. Like and he just blends into the, the line of buses afterwards. Like you can tell the escalation from the previous movie to this movie immediately. And um again, whatever problems I have with the movie, like it's still a really entertaining movie. It I can nitpick it all day. The more sure. I watch it, I'm kind of whatever on it. But um, the opening sequence is great. When you first saw that film, if I put myself back in that place, I was captivated. I was definitely captivated. And and credit where credit's due, the opening to Dark Knight Rises, where Bane gets kidnapped, and there's this whole opening sequence of they literally dismantle a plane in midair. Yeah. That's also a great opening sequence. I don't think it has the same. It doesn't same have the same gravitas as as the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Rises is a little bit more action oriented, as to where the Dark Knight, the opening sequence of the bank robbery is a little bit more character driven, and I I tend to gravitate a little bit more towards character stories and and that nature no, as opposed you. to just pure action sequences, but. 
both being what they are, they're, they're separate genres in terms of one is much more an action sequence and one is much more a, a slow burn character study. They're both great for what they right. are. Absolutely. I, I, and, and so you could absolutely argue that one is better than the other and have valid points. I just tend to think that the opening sequence of The Dark Knight is a little bit more in tone with <coughs> setting the opening scene and and understanding who a character is from the jump. In the same vein as as we discussed, you know, Indiana Jones right. or or you know, any of the, uh, uh, you know any of the others. That yeah, we, any, that yeah the multitude about. of others that we mentioned. Yeah, it uh. It really does drop you into the world pretty much on your head on this one. And it's really well crafted. Like, I've never seen a heist scene like that. I've seen plenty of them, you know, between Heat and everything else. But Also a great opening scene, Heat. Yeah, I don't remember the opening scene. I don't I don't think it's a cold open, though. I, I think, think so that they either. run character credits over it. Yeah, either way. I mean, Heat's just a good movie all the way around. But, uh, yeah, but uh, The Dark Knight, again, whatever problems I may have with the film, we'll... we'll we're going to get our middle brother on here, and he's probably going to just shit all over Chris Nolan's movies <laughs> for an hour and some change. But, you know. Shout out to MKD. Yeah, Matthew Dudley. Uh, MKD Art at uh, Instagram or one of them. I don't know. Look him up. But, uh, yeah, Dark Knight. Really good opening. Really good cold opening. Fits the bill perfectly. So, anything else on that one? Uh, whatever doesn't kill it you. Makes you. Simply makes you stranger. Stranger. Yep. And... Keith Ledger, people forget this. It's retroactively, everyone's like, he's the best Joker, he's the best Joker, he's the best Joker. I'm just saying, a lot a lot of people believe that. Not everyone. A, a lot of people. A lot of people. <laughs> but point being, he got all this, you know, especially before the new one came out and everything like that, uh, the one with Joaquin Phoenix. People were shitting all over him before that movie came out. They're like, oh, a Knight's Tale's gonna be Joker? Like, oh, they're gonna ruin another bat... His heat on the internet was terrible. Like, sure, oh, people yeah. were talking mad shit about right. him. I tended, to, I actually was one to tend to give him a chance because he had never played a villain up to that point. I had only known him from like a handful of things. I didn't ever think mm-hmm. he was bad and stuff. But I, I was not one of those Knight's Tale guys. I know a few of my friends were like Knight's Tale, man, it's the greatest <laughs> show ever. I thought it was kind of corny how like they start the wave and like the we will rock you in the stand. I was like, all right, whatever. But um, Paul Bettany, shout out to you as well. But um. <laughs> It was a. Uh, it's just one of those things that, once they told that he was gonna play the Joker, I was all on board. So, I had to give him a chance, and he he knocked it out of the park. I mean, what one what won me over was uh, honestly when I saw him in Brokeback Mountain, and it really showed for me his acting chops, and I I really understood. Um, his depth and his and his his artistic reach as an actor. So that was uh, that was what won me over as far as him playing the Joker was. At that point, I understood how good of an actor he was, and I was willing to give him a modicum of of credibility. Yeah. You know? uh, he is really good in that movie. He is. He is. I mean, he's good in a lot of things he does. Yeah. So, no complaints. It's just funny how like time kind of heals all wounds. I just remember vividly people being a complete douchebag to him on the internet. And now everyone's like, you know, I always thought. I was like, no, you didn't. Now, I don't know you personally, but a lot of... There's right. no way that all of you said that. 
So, anyways. I always knew he was going to be a brilliant actor. Yeah, it's it's whatever. Time heals those wounds. Um, Okay. So, yeah, Dark Knight. For me, I'm going to get into this last one. This is... So, this is our number one. The rest you can give or take in any given order. We've given you, like, 15 with a couple honorable mentions. I think for both of us, because we watched the scene the other day, this takes the cake. This, uh, this is my number one. 100%. The only one that could have maybe competed was if Up had the scene about Ellie and all that, but right, we, right. we've excluded that for said reasons. But with no further ado, Francis Ford Coppola, and no, we're not talking The Godfather. We are talking Bram Stoker's Dracula. 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 This movie... Yeah, that's exactly how it opens. It opens with Anthony Hopkins doing a voiceover, and it's ultimately just... 1640. Yeah, Michael is committed to do this voice act. But, no, it opens with him talking about like that. Like, the year was 1600 and something. Talks about how it takes place in Constantinople. How the... Constantinople had fallen. Had fallen, yes. And uh, it talks about how uh, Turkish uh, uh, Moors Moors were invading. And he's like, from this rose a Romanian knight. And he's talking about from the the order of the dragon named Dracula. And it sets up this beautiful, beautiful story. And all in silhouette, mind you. Yes. All All practical effects. Practical effects, but like paper dolls and, and... screened maps like like projected maps like like they're 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 doing reverse projections of maps onto silk screens very alfred hitchcock in the way that he shot a lot of his so old school i mean literally the origins of film yeah yeah because apparently they wanted to go with a bunch of like this high high special effects effects budget and francis ford coppola ended up firing the guy and just hiring his son or one of his can there's 10 million of them but uh, one of his kin to just be the special effects advisor, and they just did it all practical effects. Yep. But the opening scene, it tells the story of Dracula, how he went to go fight this holy war in the name of God, and it kind of makes him like they, they kind of imply that he's Vlad the Impaler in, in this iteration of it. And um, but he's he's a brutal he's a brutal conqueror. He's yeah. he's in the whole opening sequence. He's literally spearing guys and raising them up on pikes and and cutting people's arms off and and just he's this medieval warrior just hacking and slashing his way into glory yeah so he goes and he he swears to the church that he's going to go fight this holy war and when he does he ends up winning he's victorious in battle and he's sitting there uh, in the final sequence, he's sitting there praising God with his giant gold cross. It's like yeah. rapper he's style. He's like kissing it like kissing this it. huge like Rick Ross like right. gold style piece. chain. And the the narration tells you that while he was gone, it tells you that his bride Elizabetta and the Elizabetta, which he prizes above all else, all else in the land. Right. Who early you, you see a scene of her kind of tugging at his arm when he's leaving, like no 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 don't go don't go. Uh, that they had shot an arrow into the castle. The Turks. The Turks had shot an arrow into the castle. Knowing that they were going to be defeated, the Turks, in a in a last-ditch effort, fire an, an arrow with a note into her castle chamber. Into her, her tower, claiming that Dracula was dead. 
and her being who, because she loved Dracula so much, she flung herself from the highest tower into the river. Yeah. And so Dracula has this weird epiphany as he's praising God and is victorious in battle. He returns to the castle. He's like, Elisabetta. And he, he rides back to the castle, which is a cool scene. And he immediately storms up there, and he sees that his bride is dead. And while he's talking, Anthony Hopkins' character is breaking down because it was a holy war that she's gone to hell, her soul cannot be saved because she killed herself. And Gary Oldman gives this look, who plays Dracula in it, I should have mentioned that. But Gary Oldman, who is, I mean, he's Gary Oldman. Phenomenal. He's good in everything. He's good in everything. I'm, he is, but also the makeup work and the costuming and as many faults as this movie has, and there's a lot, and their names are Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves, this movie has a lot of faults. Even I have to admit that as the <laughs> Keanu Reeves fan in the room. Um, this movie, but it's so great. It's great in spite of all the things that make it wrong. The costuming and the 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 director of photography, the 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 cinematography, the the tone, the everything. tone, the, the colors, the, the everything. soundtrack, the the practical effects, everything in this movie is immaculate. Yeah. So it, and this is all. This whole story we're telling is just simply the cold open, and this they cover a lot of ground really quickly. So Gary Oldman storms up to the castle as Dracula, and he he's talking to. Uh, what's the actor's name? Golly, I just said it. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. He's saying that she cannot be saved. Her soul is damned. She's in hell because they're super Catholic. Super Catholic. Yeah. And so. Gary Oldman in the moment gives this look, which is just a phenomenal look, and it's it's so subtle, but it's so direct at the same time, of just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Dude. And he pretty much goes into this explanation of like, oh, that's what I get? I go off and fight for the name of your God, yep. and this is like, this is my grand reward? And so he immediately turns to Anthony Hopkins and says like, Starts going off about how... What language is he speaking in there? It's Wallachian. Yeah. Or like old Transylvanian. Yeah, old Transylvanian, or, Romanian, old school stuff. Like, And he's sitting there saying, I renounce God then. Yeah. Like, I renounce God. Like, screw that. Like, I'm done with this whole situation. Because if he can't... If she's not in heaven, then like, I'm going to hell. Right. And right. He, he sits there and he, he gets in a fight with him, with Anthony Hopkins. And he's like, wrestling him to the ground or whatever. And he's sitting there saying, like, I renounce God, all this stuff. And... He said he tells him outright that I will come back with all the powers of darkness. Yep. Yep. All yep. the powers of darkness. And he does all this just to see her again. And it's wonderful. And he takes a sword and he runs over and he stabs this giant stone, beautiful, like Mother Mary on the cross thing. And it, it starts to bleed. It starts to gush blood. Yep. And he tips right. over this bowl of water. The water turns to blood. It's it, the it's the the holy water. Yeah, the holy the, water yeah. turns to blood. And you just see blood start to pour out in every orifice of the room. It's pouring out from the stone cross. He grabs this gold chalice and he proclaims that the blood is the life. And he fills his goblet with blood or his chalice, his choblet as it were. His choblet. His choblet. And he drinks Chale. it up. The wind kicks in. He gives out this mighty scream. Ah! And then boom. Bam Stoker's, or Bram Stoker's Dracula appears on screen. And it is... The shit. If that comes on, I have to watch the whole thing. It's just over five minutes, and it's fucking inc- it's impeccable. It might be. Admittedly, I do love that sequence. It is so well acted, and 
Gary Oldman's performance is... You were talking about earlier the look that he gives when he realizes... When, when the priest tells him that his wife is condemned and is going to go to hell because she's a suicide. The look that he gives the priest, the, the Anthony Hopkins priest who later ends up playing Ben Helsing. Um, it is such a master class in conveying emotion th- through an actor. I oh, mean, yeah. they're just, it's such a, it, it's such a beautiful choice that Gary Oldman makes and it's so subtle and it's, it's, if you blink, you miss it. Yep. But watching it, it conveys so much. I, it, and, and I really do. I have to highlight that. It's anger. He's tearing up with like... It's anger, <laughs> confusion, rage, <coughs> sadness, betrayal, like yeah. everything. Betrayal, so much yeah. wrapped into, into one look. And even though the entire scene is done in like old Wallachian or Transylvanian or, or whatever... I'm not sure on the dialogue, but it's it's whatever it is. Even though it's subtitled and you still have to read to understand what the language is, you could watch that without the subtitles and get everything that you need to know about the scene. It's 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 like watching like Japanese wrestling or something like that. Like you the story is so well contained and so told through the emotions and through the it's through the it's almost like kabuki theater. Yeah, like yeah. Their face and their motions and every movement of their body tells the story, and it just sucks you in, and and you don't have to understand anything that they're saying other than I understand what's ha- I understand the emotion that they're trying to convey. Right. To me, what is most impressive is that, and I'm going to say something some people might consider this blasphemy, but this movie speak uh, on it is my favorite love story. Yeah. Most people think of Dracula and they think, oh, it's a horror film, and oh, I want to suck your blood, and all, all yeah. It's, to me, it shows the human aspect of them, and I'm not trying to get into. I know that there's a big scene in this in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where he talks about like. Dracula is just a man, and he's just a man that wants to be loved like anybody else, and he was outcast. And it's one of those situations where I, I'm i not trying to say, oh, they stole that from me, but <laughs> I had shared that sentiment for a very long time. So I appreciate that movie for saying that to a public audience in a forum that's like, thank God we can open up a dialogue about Dracula. And of course, that movie has the funny puppet play about it, which is wonderful. But, but, but it really is, though. I, I did this whole spiel in a group therapy session one time. We were talking nonsense or whatever, and... I was explaining how this is my favorite love story. And people were like, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. And there's a scene later where he, he comes back with all these powers of darkness. And Winona Ryder's character comes back ultimately. She was she played Elizabeth as well. And he, he looks at her and he's standing in the streets of London. And he physically transports himself in dirt across the ocean from Transylvania back to jolly old London. And he finally finds her. And he looks at her and he says, I have waited through oceans of time for you yeah and that to me gives me goosebumps every time i hear it because it's a love story this dude renounces god because like he can't go to if he goes to heaven he won't be with her right yeah yeah, and he he does he does exactly what he says he's going to do and without that five minute opening scene 
all this movie is is just a horror movie. It's just, oh, Dracula's running the streets of London. But like with that context of the first opening scene, it changes the whole dynamic. Into from And there are horror aspects of it. There's some really creepy shit that goes on in his castle, sure. especially when meeting Keanu Reeves. But it all changes. Once he realizes that Keanu Reeves is marrying Winona Ryder's character, and he sees the photo of her, he's like, oh, hold on. Mina. Yeah, Mina. yeah, Mina, yeah. And, yeah, it changes the whole dynamic. Because he, he set out, what he, he, he waits through oceans of time to see this woman again. And that, to me, is a love story. And it's, maybe it's the hopeless romantic in me. Maybe it's because there's a little bit of monster in all of us. Maybe I'm getting too philosophical here. But, sure. But, yeah, like, yeah. the love aspect of, man, like, he does the craziest, most outlandish shit. He becomes a vampire. Just to feel right. the touch of love again. Which the irony of it is, is that, like... He can never actually feel the touch of love. He can never actually feel the touch of love again. It's but, beautiful. It's beautiful. But, but to, isn't there something tragic about that in terms of, yes, he is dedicated to his love, but also, and this is, you know, I'm sure we're talking about everything that, like, every literary historian has, has discussed in depth. We don't do our research here. <laughs> Look, but also, we fire off, off the cuff, baby. This is high draw at noon, and it's coming straight from the hip. Straight to your ear holes. Bop! <laughs> Hot take. Back to Michael with the news. Got some for ya. Back to Michael with the news. But there, there's something tragic. There's something tragic about. Yes, he's dedicated to his love, but also, it's almost sort of a toxic relationship in terms of he can't let go. It's it, there. There is a weird like stalker aspect to it in terms of. I love you so much that I'm willing to punch God in the face for it. Yeah. And there's something really sad about that. And it, it's it's not a help. Yes, it's romantic as fuck. Right. It, it is absolutely like I am willing to not only die for you, I'm willing to be undead for you. you. Yeah. But also there's something really tragic in that absolutely. in terms of I'm willing to be undead for, for you. you. So it's this weird... It's this weird juxtaposition of it's real romance, but it's the wrong kind of romance. And, and like, there's one woman in the world, a, one woman with many faces kind of thing. Yeah, and it's, it's tragic for a lot of different reasons. It, it is, and the fact that, like, it's incredibly short-sighted in the fact of, like, because obviously he lives a, a bunch of lifetimes. He outlives everybody he knows. So he's filling the void with all these... All, like, you see him at one point in the castle. He's got all kinds of like vampire women and stuff like this. And But like none of that fills the void. So he's almost cursed to live like this unconnected life with everything. Not just because he's a vampire, but because not, no one else is going to fill the, the emptiness that's within him. Obviously it cannot be filled with God at this point. Obviously it can't be filled with any touches of a mortal woman, and so... <coughs> Excuse me. No, you're good. Uh, it's tragic for a lot of reasons. And man, like it, like I said, without that opening sequence, it, the movie becomes something entirely different. It almost does it become really a, does. Like, like a horror aspect, as opposed to the opening sequence completely changes the genre of the movie into a tragic romance. Yeah. Or, or, or a horror tragic romance in terms of 
I mean, like we expressed, he's so dedicated to his love that it's almost a toxic relationship in terms of how much he can't let go. As opposed to just being a straight up, there's a man stalking the streets. Yeah. Or it just almost a straight up like horror aspect. Or of, he just wants to get with Keanu's fiance. Yeah. You right, know, right, otherwise right, they're like, right. wait, why is he so obsessed with... Right, right, right. And, to, right, and right. they easily could have told that in the end. But it wouldn't have held my attention if I had to... Like, no offense, some of the performances in the movie aren't that great. Besides Keanu. I have seen many dark things yeah. in that castle. In that castle. Should I call my husband? Yeah, it's pretty bad. They, they phone it in pretty heavy. But uh, but to tell all that right... <laughs> up, <laughs> She'll be a succubus of Satan! Yeah. She'll be a devil's whore! <laughs> but yeah, but to tell all that right up front is a bold move. And I, I appreciate, I applaud them for doing it. Like, I really do. It, it, again, it is my favorite cold opening of all time. I played that for my cousin, Justin. Shout out, J-Baby. Um, Big yes. Uzi. Big Uzi. What's happening? Big but, um, yeah, I played that for him one time on YouTube. And he, he knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And I played it for him. And he was like, holy shit, what's the rest of this movie? Like, play that back again. Play that exactly. back again. And exactly. he's not, he was completely, like, ignorant to it. You know, not, not because he's an ignorant dude, but... In the literal sense of he just knew nothing of it. So. And, th- and that's a good point, is you should be able to play a cold open just yep. to, to, to somebody who has no knowledge of the movie. You should be able to play the cold open of a movie and immediately immediately they're like, what the fuck happened now? I got to see more of that. Like, there's more of this? Can I Can I go see that? Right. It absolutely should. That is the definition of what a cold open should be, is if you know nothing else about the movie, if you have never seen one moment of There Will Be Blood or The Matrix or SNL or anything we've, we've talked about before, you should be able to play that and they immediately want to see more. That's the point of a cold open. Drop you into the world... As the audience, you hook you, you in, hook you in, and never let you go. And from the jump, you're like, and then right, right, yeah. I think you you hit the nail on the head there, boss. So I'll recap the list real quick, just for everybody playing along at home. And this is no so, this is no particular order. Uh, if you're playing the drinking game, drink your shots now. Yeah, drink your shots now. Or smoke if you got them, you know, yeah. light it up, hey, do your crack, mean. shoot it up. I don't care. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, we don't... Hey, you do you. Yeah, Handle man. your hot. That's all we say here. Right, right. Uh, anyways, to recap, um, again, no particular order. We just talked about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, Steven Spielberg movie. Yep. Uh, La La Land, uh, Damien Chazelle. Blade Runner 20... Also the past. Also the past, yes. That is my favorite musical opening. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Beautiful. Uh, Roger Deakin, cinematographer of that. Um, Denis Villeneuve. directed that. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, Quentin Tarantino. The Dark Knight. I want my hundred scalps. Yeah, I want my hundred nadzy scalps. Uh, that's another great scene, but again, not a cold open. Uh, the Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan, Infinity War, The Russo Brothers. Yeah! <laughs> Doctor the Dark. Michael is a few in, but that's all right, though. Uh, Infinity War, directed by the Russo brothers. We got Clerks, directed He's by... coming. <laughs> if you're playing the uh, Michael Interrupt, the progress of the show, drinking game at home, go ahead and take a few shots. But we're good. We love Michael here. Anyways, Clerks, directed by Kevin Smith, Saturday Night Live. You take your pick. 
James Bond, Cold Opens, take your pick. Mad Max Fury Road, George mm-hmm. Miller's yeah. wonderful movie. Raiders of the Lost Ark, another Steven Spielberg vessel. Uh, Children of Men, Alfonso Curacao. Yep. Up. Yeah. Not 100% sure who the director is. I should probably look it up. but Again, not technically... It's a great cold open, but it's not the cold it's open not that cold everyone open you think remembers. it is. Yeah. Trust me, that again, just those 10 minutes. Man, what a what a phenomenal tale. Go watch it up. Yeah. Go just just go watch it. And we round out the list with The Matrix. Yep. The Wachowski brothers directed that, now the Wachowski sisters. Uh Halloween and Scream. And speaking of The Matrix, I know we talked about it a lot, but I think that's also <laughs> to bring it back to the Dracula point. I think that's kind of why I liked the new one in the sense of um, Neo pulled kind of a Dracula in that and of like, oh, I'll burn this whole shit down. Like, I really don't care. I kind of like that aspect of it, but we talked about that enough. But Oh, in terms of... Of the new Matrix movie when he's like in the Matrix Revolution or Resurrections, when he's willing to like, oh, I'm going back for Trinity. You can jump on board or not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of like extreme measures like that when it comes to love stories. I understand their consequences be damned. I guess maybe it kind of reminded me of a little bit of a Dracula move. So. I mean, Princess Bride is one of my favorite movies, and that dude literally goes through a whole persona change in order to win his lady love. His betrothed, so, yeah. I yeah. got no problems with that. It's all right. good. Right. So yeah, and Halloween and Scream. So uh, it's like 15 to 17 on there or something like that. Some honorable Listen, mentions. None of this is official, but yet, don't question us on Don't this. question it. Look, because, we did listen, the math. We did the research. We put liquid paper on a bee, and it, <laughs> and it died. died. That shit happened. Look, listen, investors. We're coming out with Indian burns. We got fucking knives, bolos and nunchucks. nunchucks, bolos, all types of shit. You don't know. Investors, possibly Maybe. you. <laughs> Anyways, it's enough silliness out of us. You want to wrap it up there, boss? Uh, this is gonna be the marvelous Mike D. Signing off for you. Followed, as always, by my intrepid Marcus Dudley. Marcus Dudley, MD3, checking out. If you want to get a hold of us. Oh, yes. We have new new stuff, stuff new for stuff. you. Not merchandise. We'll get there soon. Yes. But we are at Whatcha Been Watching Podcast at gmail.com. That's Whatcha, W H A T C H A B E E N. W-A-T-C-H-I-N podcast. I'm not going to spell that out for you. At gmail.com. So that's you can what you been, been watching. watching. No question mark. Podcast. No podcast. G on the watching either. At gmail.com. Uh, you can find us at rss.com forward slash podcast forward slash WBW podcast. And we are fortunate enough now, you can find us on Spotify. And iTunes. And iTunes. And iTunes. Just look up What You've Been Watching Podcast and Dudley Brothers. You can find it. You Listen. can find it. If you're listening to this, you already found it. But yeah, spread the word. We are on the major platforms, and we are working on getting on more. And also, share with your friends. Smash that like button. Give a give us a five star rating. It honestly helps us. It it helps promote our podcast, and we would be oh so grateful. We are looking to build our legions of fans, and one day, one day, sir, a galactic empire, we will co- conquer this galactic empire. One hundred percent. 
Last place you can find us at. And uh, thank you all for who've already liked, <laughs> signed, and enjoyed uh, our group. Uh, Facebook search What You Been Watching. It's at Dudley Bros Podcast. But we are What You Been Watching on Facebook. But yeah. Join the legions, man. Spread the word. Spread the word on the legions. Let's yeah. help us grow our galactic empire. You Listen. know you want to. We promise to be magnanimous and fair emperors. Listen. Just join us. Just join us. Just just get on that. So Put in your ear holes. And also, tell your friends to put it in their ear holes. Our soothing, dulcet tones. Dulcet tones of nonsense. Um, but yeah, so let us know what you think about this list. Please reach out to any one of those places, uh, Facebook or the, the email. Let us know what you think about the list. Do you feel we're way off our rocker? Do you think something made the cut that shouldn't? Uh, do you think we excluded something that should have definitely been added? We do not have knowledge of every movie ever that ever came out, even though we claim to. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. We're, we're always down for feedback. You got any questions, viewer mail, anything like that? Please reach out to us. And um, thank you all for listening. Hashtag lesions. Hashtag go see a movie. Hashtag go see a movie. Good night, everyone.